You know, digital is a topic, of course, everyone is discussing these days, especially within community banking. We've seen digital transformation become one of the top priorities and something that came out of the survey as being something that keeps our CEOs up at night. There has been incredible change in mass culture around investing. Accessibility has never been higher. What's top of mind for every client is the incredibly challenging times that we're going through right now. Work is on trial. Every business has had to adapt the way that they work and how they work over the last two years. You know, we know employee experience is something we need to focus on, but where do we even begin? Banking is a risk business, but in today's environment, we are being faced with uncertain times. Financial institutions have always had partners who could help evaluate, address, and mitigate risk, but today they need to lean on those partners more than ever. Welcome to Bank on Whitfleet. Each episode will feature discussions around industry issues, hot topics, and current trends, giving you an insider's look at how top performers and professionals are staying ahead of the curve. All right, let's get into today's conversation. Welcome, everyone. Today's guest is Ben Udell, Senior Vice President of Client Experience at Lake Ridge Bank. Ben, thank you for being here today. I'm excited to be here. This I'm looking forward to our time together. Great. We are excited to have you discuss AI and some practical approaches to leveraging it. Today, listeners, when we're talking about AI, we are referring to generative large language models such as ChatGPT, Google Bard, and Bing AI. These are powerful tools anyone can start using today for meaningful impact. It seems that every vendor and software provider is saying that they apply AI in their client solutions, which may or may not be true. But what Ben is going to focus on today is solution sets that everyone can implement for free or for minimum cost. The type of solutions that the majority of community financial institutions have access to. Ben, I know you are immersed in this topic and your role at Lake Ridge. Would you provide our listeners some information about you, your background, and your role at Lake Ridge? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have been with Lake Ridge for over a decade, and my current role is SVP of Client Experience. And I personally think it's kind of the coolest role in the bank because I get to get involved in digital transformation and change management and analytics and product development and kind of the running joke here is I'm as disruptive as possible if it can improve the client or the employee experience. And so that's really exciting for me to be on the front end uh, for a lot of the technology and changes that are happening in our industry. Sounds like a great role. And I know you and I have prepared for this conversation and I'm excited to jump in. Why don't we start with a really simple question. That's if you're a community financial institution not using AI, what do you need to get serious and to get started? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And when I talk to my peers, that's the starting point. And I would say, generally speaking, there's going to be three maybe overarching concepts to start with. The first is I think the organization really needs to set ground rules, they need their guardrails in place. And what's interesting when you talk about the concerns with AI, a lot of those concerns are probably already addressed in a lot of community bank policies. A good example of that is we need to be upfront that if you're using this public off-the-shelf model, there's really not privacy restrictions built into that. 
And we get caught up on that. And the real message is that don't put private information into this model until you move to some sort of enterprise model. And I think in, in our world where we're very risk orientated, setting those ground rules and guardrails, what you can and can't do, helps push people to start to experiment and play around with AI in a, in a safe manner. Um, I think another example of that that comes up is there, there's a certainly amount of there's an amount of bias within AI as well, based upon how you're using it. Well, generally speaking, and I know we'll talk about this, we're often suggesting to people, you, you got to remember, you're going to edit everything you're doing. So if AI literally is giving you biased answers with your editing process, your marketing process, your compliance process, your simple due diligence of reading, reviewing, and, and reviewing sources is going to help rule a lot of that out. So once you have that done, my next guidance is you really have to be transparent about this within the organization, meaning this is what's allowed. We want to pull people out of the woodwork that are using AI, either professionally or personally, because AI is a skill. And so if you can find those individuals, now you have a jumping off point about applying it to the organization or just learning about it. And then I think the last point I want to touch on with rolling out is, is there has to be a training program of some sort. Uh, people think of AI as search, or they think of AI as I'm going to input a few lines and it's going to give me something interesting back, when in reality, there's more of a communication and engagement that happens, and there's some skills that go along with that. And again, I know we'll talk about that, but I think if you set ground rules, pull people out of the woodwork and give them the comfort level of using it and some training, you're going to take a much larger step than than most institutions that I'm talking to these days when I talk to my peers and go to conferences. I think those are excellent points, and it sounds like a good foundation uh, to think about how to use these you know, large language models or AI. And we know AI from our discussion is much larger uh, in application and idea and concepts than maybe this particular focus we have. With that, you know, Ben, why do you think many aren't moving forward with AI in community financial institutions? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I think it really comes back to, we are in a regulated industry. We have a lot of policies. We have a lot of procedures. We typically operate in a black and white environment. Um, if we can't manage risk, we probably don't like it. And so this is this interesting unknown about how will it affect my you know, work and how do I use it creatively, creatively, creatively. And I think all of those are not huge hurdles, but you start rolling them all up and you've got individuals who just are not actively thinking about AI. And if they're not actively thinking about AI, they're not actively thinking about applying it. And that's where the, the financial institution needs to be more directive and supportive of finding opportunities. And I think if we do that, we'll start to get more movement across an organization to uncover how AI can truly impact either the productivity or the creativity or just the, the workflows that, that a lot of us have going on every day. Great. So we know what's out there. We know there's some things we need to think about. What are the basics, or you've been immersed with it, you understand it, maybe for a listener who's thinking about it, how should an organization get started? What would be your advice or mentorship, Ben? Yeah, where I would start, once you kind of get through those key points, is this is probably not something you're applying to an entire organization at one time, 
because you have to learn and understand and understand how you're going to apply it in your organization and train your your employees it's probably a small group of individuals that are those fast movers they're the individuals that want to be the trailblazers they're the individuals that understand some of the risks and how to how to mitigate them and if you can get that group of individuals rolling with it you can start uncovering really cool ways to use it with that whole intent of saying how do we improve how we work at work which is it's probably more creative, it's more productive, it's upskilling and kind of playing above your current knowledge base. And if you have that small group that can start to do that, they can start to build out and, shall we say, be advocates for this across the organization. From my experience, uh, you know, we've really focused on using ChatGPT as the paid uh, opportunity, and then also Microsoft, the Bing AI, and they're similar, and I think the, the the common knowledge generally is that they're tuned to the same AI, which is the chat GPT, but I do see them working differently. So what I've found as well is if you can try to use both of them for the same task, you start to figure out what works best for you in that type of environment. And that allows you to, again, I think start to get some better um, results out of it. And what I find is really helpful to people when they really start thinking about it is they're used to this Google search where they input, you know, a question or a need. And my guidance in working with AI is you really have to treat it like a consultant, like an intern, like a fellow associate, and you're going to have dialogue back and forth with AI to get to your end result. And if you do that well, you end up really crafting much stronger responses. And although that takes a little bit of back and forth, it's going to be much faster than having to write it, to research it, to review it. And um, that's where this magic starts to happen in uh, this type of environment. Great points, you know, really finding those users who can champion and share uh, ideas and use cases. I love your uh, concept of thinking of it as an intern or a consultant having used all three of them uh, the google bard the chat gpt and the bing uh, product they have some nuances and differences which really leads me to the next question for you ben what about training why is it important um how have you done it what should our listeners know yeah that's a really great question as well I find as I talk more and more about AI that I have to stress training more and more. And what we need to take a step back on for the listeners is that AI works with prompts and prompts are really the chat that you're having with AI. And so if you were to go to say an intern and you wanted to write a blog about home equity to our, you know, clients that have children and they could possibly consolidate debt, you would start to enter prompts and that prompt would be this direction. The prompt might simply be, write me a blog that takes five minutes to write, focused on selling home equities. The audience is going to be um, parents with kids looking to consolidate debt. It needs to be in a friendly tone written at a high school reading level. And my, and you could kind of continue to manage that, right? And if you do that, you start to craft this output that gets to what you want to have. You want to have this blog that really speaks to this client base. And then there's probably some back and forth. 
I think what happens is because people think about it as search, they'll input a line that says, write a blog about home equity or write a blog about home equity to empty nesters. And the direction provided in those two examples ultimately is very different from AI. And so now when users start to craft the prompts that they're putting in, the direction they're putting in, what they, the output they'd like to see from AI, you start getting, I kind of use this term magical, you get these this magical response, right? Where you probably would have taken an hour or two to write a first draft of home equity and found sources and data to support that. Now with writing a prompt that took you five minutes, within five to 10 minutes, you have your first draft already done. So automatically, you've now saved an hour's worth of time. And to the point earlier on upskilling, if you have a new maybe associate in marketing who needs to write this and they don't have home equity experience, they're not quite sure how to craft that, they're letting AI do that. And now they're kind of upskilling that knowledge base because of, of how quickly AI is kind of working through that. So that training piece, how it starts to get applied is I think you start building off of a short version of comparing prompts, building out prompts, and continuing to make them more and more engaging. There's plenty of opportunities out there where you can look for prompting guides that will help give you advice and guidance on how to do that. Um, it's you know a huge, I think, um, cottage industry right now in AI to look at, but play with that and you build on that and build a training program that's hands-on around that, that's, that's I think, where I start to see people really understand AI and um, apply it in a meaningful way to their work. Yeah, I think you bring up some great points. As, as we discussed, there really is a larger change happening with maybe how we're going to interact with our computers, what's going to be the way in which we look at, you know, from a search more towards how is this really interplaying and adapting to how I accomplish my job? And I was so impressed by how forward you were in your thinking and applying it to the, you know, the banking space, Ben, which is a great uh, yeah. place to be in, in this changing environment. One of the things we did talk about was enhancing the quality and productivity of writing for marketing. And I know that's something you've advocated you've been immersed in. Can you give us an example of how this has helped your team at Lakeridge? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that's interesting about prompts is, again, I think many of us are still tuned into, I need to have a two, three, four sentence prompt to get where I need to be. But there's nothing saying you literally can't have a one or two page Word document that's one prompt. And I think when people hear that, they're a little blown away that you could input literally 500 words or a thousand words in to generate some outputs that you want. And so when you think about that, here's how we've applied that. We had a summertime campaign focusing on our digital products. We actually uh, merged earlier this year with Monona Bank and State Bank Across Plains. And so we've got two banks coming together. And obviously there's a core change there and a product change. And so we really knew we needed to reconnect with our clients on our digital products, right? There's a lot of loyalty there and um, 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 opportunities for helping clients. So imagine we writing a one-page prompt and the prompt basically says, you are going to write a marketing campaign. I will give you the topic at the end. Your campaign is gonna include a blog, 
a, an employee email describing the campaign, an email that will send to clients to promote this, a training guide on this document, and then also a quiz to test the bankers. And so you can write all of that, and that's you know a short overview of it. You can start filling in more of the blanks there on either your tone or your length, uh, maybe a specific focus, whatever you want to do. But that's this one-page prompt that says nothing about product. Then you go in and say, at the final end, say your topic for this um, this week's campaign is Apple Pay, Bill Pay, mobile deposit, and AI goes in and it basically writes all of that for you. And I'm not suggesting that it's a done deal if you go back to the bias piece and the fact checking, but if you were to write a first draft of a client email, a client direct mail, an internal email, a training guide, uh, and a, a quiz for bankers if they understood the training guide, that's gonna take you know a lot of people a half day to a day to write. We've just completed that first draft in less than 10 minutes at that point in time. And then when you take that and say, all right, we're going to do a 10-week program over 10 different products uh, and digital services, have I just now saved, you know, 10 times four hours? Have I just saved a week's worth of work because I spent 30 minutes writing a prompt and then five to 10 minutes a week changing the topic that you wanted to actually write on? And so again, it's not perfect, but that writing process is so long and many of us are not trained in it. And I think the other interesting thing out of that, Robert, is if you consider a lot of the smaller financial institutions where they just don't have the staffing to really kick out a lot of material and content and financial literacy and fraud prevention, this is now an opportunity where, you know, one person can do the work of two, three, four people just by simply writing good prompts and creating good content much easier, much faster, more creative. I mean, that's that's the game changer for a lot of us. Yeah, I absolutely love it because in a world where we often see uh, in banking, uh, technology is this big expense that this is really saying this really levels the playing field. And if we look at this appropriately, knowing what our guardrails are, knowing like we're not going to put PII information in there mm -hmm. and look at the applications, we really can leverage and have a better customer experience. And, and that's why it's such a, a, a pleasure learning from you in this conversation. Yeah. You know, a lot of the focus has been on marketing. What is What are some applications? What are you finding? How can we use AI? That's not what people are necessarily thinking of. The marketing is a great example, and I think we should leverage it. How can we open up the minds of our listeners and other ways to apply this, Ben? Yeah, let, let me give you two really good examples I've been kind of tinkering with, playing with, sharing, and trying to dial in. The first is, and this is for our HR team, but I think as you hear this, you can see how it could be applied to many other areas. And it goes back to uh, writing, right? A lot of our associates, they're great at banking. They just don't want to sit down and write a one or two page um, job description, for instance and it takes forever. And so one of the things that I built is it's basically, you would go to the hiring manager and you would ask the hiring manager for like the bullet points, the dictation, the unedited, um, loosely defined, um, grammatically poor 
reform thoughts about what should be in this job description, right? What's in the job description? What other programs do they need? Tools, whatever. The whole point is to go to a manager who you don't want to have sit there and spend forever writing this well thought out plan. You just need the basics because somebody else will write that. And then I wrote a prompt for HR that basically is a job description writing prompt. You copy it and paste it into GPT. And one of the interesting things that this does is instead of you telling GPT what to do, GPT asks you what to do. So it's aligned with what the manager sent back. And so it's basically input. Um, let's write the job description together. Start by inputting the main job duties. I will then categorize them into categories, give you a recommendation on the categories. You'll then validate if you like those, and then I'll write the job description for you. And then it moves on to what's the equipment needed? We already know they need a computer and a phone and blah, blah, blah. Is there anything else? And the prompt also has built in, let's call it the HR compliance required information on, um, um, you know, that we see on all the job descriptions. So you go through that and literally in that situation, the HR rep who's writing this job description, all they're doing is copying and pasting this with the manager put in. And it writes a first draft of the job description. Wow. And that'll save somebody, you know, an hour. And again, I go back to what's cool is AI is asking the HR person what to put in. And we're not putting in maybe the most well-written information. We're letting AI do that for us. So that's a really cool one that when you think about writing that has to happen across the organization or people have to share with somebody else to then write, just structure it in a manner where you get what you need to input and let AI do the rest. Another really cool one I've been playing around with, and I, I think um, you know this will take a little bit more work, but it's a two-page prompt, and it's basically a bank simulation where AI acts as a client. The banker then acts as a banker and has to ask financial questions of the client. They have to act with empathy. They have to build rapport. And as the banker does that, they uncover more about the, the, the financial needs as generated by AI, and you get to the point where you can then recommend a solution. And if you do a good job with that, the client's happy. And if you ask open-ended questions, you get more of a response. If you ask closed-ended questions, you get less of a response. And the interesting thing is it's kind of tuned in where if you play around and say, you know, Robert, you're never going to hit that savings goal. You should give up now. You could pretty much make AI cry. And the fascinating <laughs> thing out of this is AI is just, you know, looking at a client example that would want to, that would need a home equity. And it's just playing along with you. And in a training setting, what's really cool is, you know, bankers don't like to skill practice. They skill practice with other bankers and the banker doesn't understand the product or they just don't do it well. And this is this is a much stronger element to being able to do that. And it scores you in the end and then it gives you your best questions and it creates a conversation. And what's fascinating to think about with this is when ChatGPT finally gets the voice communication turned on, instead of typing this out to ChatGPT, I think there's going to be a real world case study where you will talk to AI and it will talk back to you like a client. So I know I'm a little long-winded on both of those examples, but you know those are very different, unique examples in improving the productivity or improving the skill set of people by simply writing a one or two page prompt 
and letting AI act as a person. Super cool, super cool. Absolutely love it. And, you know, in the work that I do with our clients is really driving us back to are we, is the customer at the center of what we do? Is the client at the center of what we do? Mm-hmm. And I think something we have to realize as leaders is that our customers are going to be using these type of systems mm-hmm. and they're going to expect a different level of communication, of experience, of timeliness mm-hmm. from our institutions than ever before. And so I love your approach is like, let's get comfortable with it. We don't have to be afraid of it, but as we evolve, we'll be evolving right side, uh, right along with our customers. I don't know if you have that same feel or not, Ben. It gets a great question. I, I don't think we're at the point yet where customers are asking for maybe the speed and the pace to change, but it's not difficult to see where that starts to take place. And I think another interesting example out of that is one of the ways that AI is so great is you could go in and say back to like my home equity example with um, 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 uh, uh, parents and maybe consolidating debt and they have kids in the household, et cetera. Instead of sitting around a table for an hour and generating, you know, 10 great ideas, you just go in and have AI generate 50. You take the 10 best and maybe you rework that a little bit because, again, I wouldn't assume they're all awesome to start with. So is it so much that the um, clients are going to expect a quicker return or are they going to require or expect more choices, more volume, um, more opportunities to look at because they know you're using AI? And it's at your fingertips to generate all of that. Absolutely. If I remember correctly from when we were preparing for the show, you have a non-banking example about water skiing. Uh, I loved that. Can you uh, explain it to our listeners, uh, that scenario? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a friend who's on the water ski team in town. And every year they have to, in the the off-season, they have to go in and they have to build and write a program for the next year. And as you could imagine, you know, these people are generally probably not uh, script writers. Um, They don't write plays for a living. And so what we did is we took the the National Ski Show scoring and rule book, uploaded that into GPT, and then they're already down the path for this. So this won't be in place this year, but um, they want to do a Rock of Ages. So we took the Rock of Ages musical, uploaded that into GPT, and we basically said, read the rule book and design for us a water ski show that fits the rules, gets good scores, and then um, applies Rock of Ages. And so it came back with a four-part play with two parts, with, I guess, four-act play with two uh, uh, parts within it, however you want to phrase that, and some recommended uh, skiing type of moves, I guess, with song choices that go along with that. And so again, it goes back to, was it a final product? No, but now we started to have this conversation to say, give me five other songs that fit, you know, water skiing and starting fast and like being a daredevil. And it does that. Um, Change it where there's one narrator only. Um, And you start asking for these prompts and now you start building this 
And that's a way, way, way much faster process than, you know, getting people into a room together and, and going through it. And if you can get 80% of the way done, that's probably the heavy lifting for this writing process. And I think maybe that's a segue real quick, Robert, on I think people are worried about this homogenization of AI and they're worried about, um, you know, if everybody uses AI, is everything the same? And I think there's a lot of value to having the creative knowledge or the professional information to be able to put into AI to ask it. And then once AI generates results, the professional knowledge to then modify it, to update it, to edit it, to review for bias, to fact check. And so we aren't lost. Professionals are not being replaced. They're being amplified, I think, with with their with their knowledge and their skill set. So it's a really cool idea. I, you know, I'm hoping maybe next season I can get on that because I would love to show about the water ski show. And mm -hmm. I have a writing credit, and my wife will be like, What are you doing? And I'm like, Just write water ski shows with my friends. So <laughs> <laughs> trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> but again, well, uploading are, two docs to write something, wild, amazing. Exactly. Well, you're always welcome back as a guest, especially as this evolves. So we have to hear <laughs> more about the water ski uh, side career. You know, as we kind of wrap up, what's some final advice, Ben, that you would, would give someone? Yeah, I, I think if you think about um, where we're at with AI as a baseball game, I, you know, we're not on the ninth inning, the seventh inning, or even the first inning. I think we're still warming up. We haven't even started the game yet. And if you look at how many features have been added to AI over the last year, if you look at like the image, Midjourney has a great one out there over the last year and a half. You can see how image quality has improved. We're just getting going. And so I think really finding some fast movers within an organization that can start to apply it, understand the prompts. If you get turned on to the Microsoft Copilot or Enterprise GPT, like how does that start to work differently? I I think we're just going to be you're going to be ahead of the curve relative to other organizations, and that's either going to be helpful to um, you know doing better with clients, doing better with associates. I, the, you'll start to see some some big wins there, and and I, I'm excited for that. I think we're far along relative to other banks, and I think you know we're still in the warm up phase right now as well, and that's. That's exciting to me, and I hope the listeners find that exciting as well as they start getting into it as well. Great. Ben, thank you again for sharing your expertise. We really appreciate learning from you. You're welcome, Robert. I'm happy to, happy to join today. Great. And to our listeners, thank you as always for allowing us to share some ideas with you. Reach out with any questions or comments. We look forward to hearing from you and having you listen to our next podcast. Today, we talked about practical uses for generative large language models, more commonly referred to as ChatGPT, Google Bard, or Bing AI. These are powerful tools anyone can start using today for meaningful impact within your community financial institution. And as more and more vendors and software providers state that they're applying AI in their client solutions, the reality is there is a large spectrum of AI and machine learning. Today's podcast tried to focus on some simple things that you and your team can immediately start to apply, implement, and use. You know, this really is a game changer for our industry. The word of the day that Ben taught us is prompt and prompting, so something to take away. As always, leadership should carefully consider how their teams will leverage these generative uh, large language models 
and consider what guardrails should be put into place to protect PII and other sensitive data. You've been listening to Bank on Whitfley. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and tune into the next episode as we feature insights from other leaders in the financial industry and even more ways you can stay ahead of the curve.